From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, David Perfect. Margaret Peterson Haddix is a writer who is known for her many different children and young adult novel series, such as Shadow Children, The Missing, and Children of Exile. Her third and final book in the Children of Exile trilogy, Children of Jubilee, will be coming out in November. Welcome to Craft, Margaret Peterson Haddix. Thank you. So, can you tell our listeners what Children of Jubilee is about? Sure. It is a little difficult to explain that book without giving a little bit of background on the Mm. earlier two books in the series. But the basic setup is that Children of Exile starts with a group of kids who have been taken away from their parents, and they don't know why, and they don't know what's really going on. But suddenly, when the two oldest kids in the community are 12 years old, they're all sent back home. They also don't know why that's happening, but they're desperate to find out. And they do find out that in Children of Exile. And by the time of Children of Jubilee, the third book in the series... All of the kids involved are in pretty desperate straits, and the main character is a girl named Kiandra, who has to kind of figure out how to save all of her friends and brothers, and also she's contending against some pretty nasty people who are just wanting to destroy them. What was the inspiration for the story? Well, the original inspiration came from the oddity of reading about genocide at Disney World, which is not a typical inspiration, hopefully not what we read about at Disney World, but it made me start thinking about how uh, people perceive the world very differently, and um, there are very many realities within the real world as well. And so as I was thinking about that, that's what led to Children of Exile, and I would have said that that was the inspiration for the series as a whole, but I was writing Children of Jubilee in 2016. Part of the influence of the current events that were going on in 2016 kind of made me think that there's no way people who are so politically opposed to one another can even agree the sky is blue. You know, Mm -hmm. like as soon as somebody said the sky is blue, it seemed like somebody else was like, no, it's gray. And by the third book in the series, I was trying to have people get along and, and, you know, work out their differences and all of that. So I would say the inspiration was part how people come together after there's been horrible disagreements and in the case of this series also warfare. Why do you think that children are interested in uh, dystopian fiction? I think kids are interested in dystopian fiction hopefully because they're not living in a dystopia and they kind of want to know what that's like and and I think there's a part of childhood is wanting to know what the boogeyman is and, and all the terrors that are out there and reading a book is kind of a safe way to do that rather than plunging yourself into all sorts of horrible things. So I I think kids are figuring out the world and reading dystopian fiction is a way to say, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? And so it's imagining all the terrible things. And in this case, for this particular set of kids, it's not having their parents around and then meeting their parents and finding out maybe they're glad they don't have those parents around. So what made you decide to write juvenile fiction? Well, it actually wasn't a, a, you know, a logical decision to begin with. In the beginning, I just wanted to be a writer. And the first idea that I had that ultimately turned into my first published book was something that I knew had to be something for kids. Once I started doing that, then the next idea was to, and it kind of made sense to stay in that field. But looking back at that decision now, it really makes sense because when I was about 12 years old, that was when books were so important to me and they made a huge difference in my life. And so it makes sense that now that's the age group that I'm mostly writing for. So uh, how do you tell stories with very serious themes while also making it appropriate for children? Well, I try 
to put myself in the kid's place and try to imagine it from the kid's perspective as obviously I am an adult. And so mm-hmm. I also have the adult perspective as kind of background. But as I'm writing about these things, I'm trying to do it from the kid's perspective so that I'm reaching them where they are as opposed to kind of imposing this, okay, mm-hmm. here's how you should think <laughs> about the world, kids. What is your favorite genre? Right now? I would just go with the very broad fiction, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there are English teachers out there who are like, that's not <laughs> because I have done science fiction, I've done um, realistic contemporary fiction, I have done historical fiction, I've done sort of fantasy-ish. I think I've kind of covered all the genres except horror, which I don't think I will ever actually do because I'm too convinced by it that mm. like, if I read something that's horror, I'm like, yes, this is all real. <laughs> I'm never leaving my house again. So I don't think I could write it, but um, all the other genres I have enjoyed kind of dabbling in. What do you use as inspiration for writing your characters? If it's going well, I don't know where the inspiration comes from. It's just like mm-hmm. this character shows up. Kind of the best experience that I've had with characterization of characters is... I'm kind of writing along and then it's time to introduce this new character and I put words in this character's mouth that I Mm -hmm. have that person say something and I know exactly who that person is. Mm -hmm. And with one of my earlier books, Full Ride, the main character sitting in the auditorium at at this boring school assembly and Mm -hmm. I needed to have her interact with somebody so I just kind of gave a snarky comment to somebody right next to her Mm -hmm. and then I knew who that was and that was Mm -hmm. an important character. And that's kind of the best way to have it happen. Mm -hmm. As far as planned out, sometimes I do kind of steal characteristics from people I know in real life and mm-hmm. kind of mix and match and give them to real people. Uh, or give, give them to the characters. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been kind of surprised by a character you've created you like normally wouldn't have thought you would have been able oh, to? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much that it, it's somebody that's so far out of what I would have imagined creating, mm-hmm. but definitely there are times when, I'll give the, another example with my series, the Missing series, the main character is a boy named Jonah who has a younger sister that he just just regards as an annoying younger sister at the beginning of the series. And very early as I was writing the first book in that series, which is called Found, I was put Catherine, the younger sister, in a scene. And it was almost immediately that I I felt like she was there kind of elbowing me and like, Mm -hmm. oh, come on. Jonah (laughs) needs me to figure these things out. He is not going to figure this out on his own. He needs me. You've got to give me a bigger role here. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, like I'm kind of having this argument, obviously, in my head Mm -hmm. with this character but she was right. I didn't need her in the story. Do you have a favorite character that you've created? Not really a favorite favorite. There are some that are a little bit close to my heart, I guess. The main character in my very first book, whose name is Jessie, she's a very spunky, bold, you know, go out there and figure things out type person. And I, I do definitely have a tender spot in my heart for her because that was my first book and I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I, I, I kind of felt like she grabbed me by the hand and said, okay, I don't know what I'm doing either, but we're going to get this done. Do you have any particular works of fiction that have inspired your writing? I would say all the books that I read as mm-hmm. a kid that I read and reread and re-reread and uh, that kind of became a part of me that I think all of them were very inspirational. Although I'll admit that I've gone back and reread some of them and been like, oh, this is really badly written. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I learned from that too. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you learn from what not to do as well. But what is your strategy to write a believable child character? I would say that 
to write a believable child character, you have to remember what it's like to be a kid. And I think that's the most important thing. I also think it's important to have ongoing interaction with kids. And it was really easy when my kids were little because I was around kids all the time. And now a lot of times I'm in and out of schools doing school visits and I'm paying attention to the slang kids are using and mm. kind of how they treat each other, what they're wearing, what, what seems to be important to them, technology references that they make, what moves they've watched recently so all of that becomes very important to stay in touch with what are some of the sources that you use to kind of keep up with like slang or uh, yeah. things that children I should say that it's hard with that that it can be a double-edged sword because if you use certain slang words that kids are like oh yeah I use that word too but you can't make it too tied to a specific moment because it's going to be another year before the book comes out and you don't want something that's then oh yeah that's what that's the word everybody was using last year we're not using that now so it's kind of a feel of the moment rather than something too complete. But a lot of times I ask kids, I have nieces and nephews who are still in the age range of the books that I'm writing. And so I will ask them. I, I actually had a very funny instance with my niece who is, well, this she was, she's now in sixth grade, but when she was in fifth grade, I was trying to come up with a word that I, I was having somebody say that they weren't, that they were trying to be politically correct, that they mm. weren't, but it was a kid. And I'm like, a kid is not going to say, I'm being politically correct with this word. And so I, I just, I was striking out. I was not coming up with the right word to put in the kid's mouth. And so I asked my niece and I kind of explained the, the whole circumstance and the background. And my niece is like, do you mean rude? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's the word I'm looking for. I want the kid to say, I'm not being rude. I'm like, okay, that's it. That You're right. That's exactly what I was looking for. For this particular book, this is the final final book in the series. How are you upping the ante? Definitely it ups the ante quite a bit because um, it, it becomes life and death, definitely at this point. And it's been life and death at some of the points earlier, but the kids didn't necessarily realize it. And by this particular point, the kids are basically being used as slave labor and they're not giving adequate food and they're realizing that they're not being given adequate food. And they also have to figure out who they are aligning with. And it's that's something that's hard to figure out sometimes. So they know the stakes are very high, and Keandra in particular really wants to protect the other kids. Yeah, no, you mentioned some of the political ones. Are there any other kind of like real-world elements that have kind of like influenced your writing a dystopia? Um, well, definitely the political stuff it, in a huge way. Uh, I, I was, one of my majors in college was history, so not just political of recent history and current events, but also looking back decades, centuries in the past. And I, I firmly believe that if we don't pay attention to history, we're doomed to repeat it in, in many different ways. And so uh, I definitely did look toward a lot of the history I'm most familiar with that has influenced is I, I was very interested with the situation in Eastern Europe and what used to be the Soviet Union at, at the time of the fall of communism there. And also, I, as a kid, I was fascinated by World War II. And and so a lot of that also influenced me. Since this series kind of was over the course of time it's been written, um, do you feel like the story kind of matures with the readers as they... Yeah, there are three different narrators for 
the series. The first book is narrated by a girl named Rosie, who's pretty innocent, definitely at the beginning of this book. And then the second book is narrated by a kid named Edwy, who is less innocent, but also somewhat naive about a lot of things. And then the third book is narrated by a girl, Teandra, who's a little bit older and a lot more aware of what's going on in the world. So there's kind of a natural maturation because of who's narrating. Thank you for talking to me, Margaret Peterson Hanks. Thank you. I recommend the novel Children of Jubilee, which will be coming out November 6, 2018. For more from my guest, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is David Perfect. Until next time, be creative.